I think of the movement of mission as the world becoming church, right? right. You know, it's, you know, the, the church is, it, it's not even necessarily like, uh, yes, right now we have the, the bounds of the church and then we have the world and they are two distinct, you know, if you look at the world as, as a set of attitudes and beliefs, I'm not talking about like uh, kind of the literal things. I'm talking about like as a set yeah. of attitudes and beliefs, there's, there's the world and there's the church and they're very, they're radically opposed to one another. <clears throat> but but in terms of like the cosmos, in terms of, uh, you know, the human beings and the and, and animals and the, and the natural world, you know, the church is called to expand its boundaries to sort of encompass all of that. Okay, welcome everyone to the Orthodox Christian Podcast. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Father Richard Rene. And if you haven't seen it already, there is actually a previous video where we explore Father Richard's spiritual autobiography. But today we are speaking about missions in the Orthodox Church and what they are, why they're important, and some of the logistics and challenges that go into starting a mission, as well as the uh, specific mission that Father Richard is starting in a place called Mission, British Columbia, which seems rather fitting. And uh, before we get too far into it, Father Richard, why don't you tell us about this mission that you're starting and how people can potentially participate in it? Great. Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me on the show again. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it was an enjoyable time last time. It was good to be back. So again, for those of you who are uh, watching for the first time, for those of you viewers, uh, first time viewers, my name is Father Richard May. Um, I am my role in the church is I'm the director of St. Silas Prison Ministry, which is uh, under the aegis of the Orthodox Church of America, Archdiocese of Canada. And uh, my, my, my work, uh, my secular job is, is a regional chaplain for Correctional Service Canada, which overseeing chaplaincy services in the various federal prisons in this region. Uh, so for the past uh, almost seven years now, eight years, uh, we have been doing a uh, prison ministry where we go into prisons, we minister to inmates there, we serve liturgies there, and part of our mandate is to support inmates as they come out of prison as well and into the community. And one of the challenges we found is how do we find them a place to reintegrate, especially within the faith community? There have been so many challenges in that regard. It's a very difficult, complex process. And so out of that prison ministry, we came up and we have this uh, vision for a special kind of community which we think of as a kind of a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary um, specifically for those who are coming out of prison uh, and who are looking to uh, restart their life, to integrate back into the community. And they need a safe place in which to do that, a place that welcomes them, that is hospitable and, uh, and, and welcoming and compassionate. And so <clears throat> out of that vision, we received a blessing from His Eminence Irenae, Archbishop of Canada, uh, to start an actual mission uh, with this very kind of intentional focus. Uh, but it's not a mission that's just for people coming out of prison. The goal is to think of it as a kind of a bridge into the community. And so we are also seeing it as a mission within the community it's, itself and for community members who would come to the mission and who would there meet people who are coming out of prison and would uh, provide support and, and, and be kind of uh, help them to be a part of community. And uh, so the goal would be to sort of form this bridge and to help them to, uh, to, to reintegrate. So that's essentially what we're going to be doing. It's a special kind of 
Orthodox community that's not your typical mission, but it is for everybody, both for people within the mission community at the local area, but also for people who are coming out of prison to find that sanctuary. So that's basically what we're uh, uh, what we're doing, and uh, we're in the at, at this at this current stage. We're just in the vision stage of things. We've been given the blessing, and we've got there's a whole lot of steps yet to follow. But uh, that's why I'm here today to talk a little bit about that within the context of mission, broadly speaking, within the Orthodox tradition. Okay, and if someone's <laughs> listening and they want to get involved or uh, perhaps participate in the beginning of this mission, do you have a place you'd like them to go? Uh, so far, we have just our um, orthodoxprisonministry.ca website. Uh, they can reach out to me directly at the director at orthodoxprisonministry.ca. Um, I'm relatively easy to find, even personally, my email address can be located relatively easily. Um, as I say, we're still in the very initial stages, so um, I will send you, I, I'm, uh, I'll also send you a MailChimp uh, link so that people can sign up for uh, for updates if they'd like to do that. But uh, we welcome all kinds of interest. There's all kinds of ways in which people can serve. So. Okay, excellent. So yeah, that stuff will definitely be in the video description uh, for anyone watching. And we'll talk more about that specific mission uh, towards the um, end of the uh, conversation. But maybe to begin, uh, Father Richard, why don't you explain what a mission is? Because that's not a term that's necessarily used um, in other branches or uh, traditions, I should say, of Christianity. Right. So yeah, uh, you know, the question what is an Orthodox mission? In a sense, uh, what I'd like to do is try to think about not uh, to drop the the article in that sentence. You know, what is a mission, uh, or what is an Orthodox mission? Um, because for two reasons. First of all, when we talk about an Orthodox mission, it's kind of a it, it has a sort of a branding to it, right? It, it's like a flavor. You know, there's Orthodox mission, there's Protestant mission, there's Catholic mission, and they all seem to be different flavors of this thing called mission. Um, and and then when we talk about a mission, we're talking about almost like kind of a distinct entity, where in, in the Orthodox Church tradition, there are these, uh, you know, from an administrative standpoint, we have uh, mission stations, which are places where, uh, you know, you have a gathering of people, maybe on an occasional basis or once a month basis, they don't have a full-time priest. And then you have a full mission status where you have maybe the, the priest is coming regularly, they have every Sunday service. And then the, the, the church graduates, the community graduates from mission status to parish status. And that's when the church is, the, the priest is there permanently and full-time priest and, and so forth. So there's this idea that we sort of start with a mission and then that comes to an end and, and we come to the place where we, we all want to be, which is the parish. And so, and, and I want to really resist that particular kind of interpretation and to resist the notion of a mission um, and let alone an orthodox mission and simply talk about mission as a, as a, as a, a way of being. As, and, and, and I'm going to get a little bit abstract here for the moment because I think that uh, we need to sort of take a step backward and see mission in the broadest possible sense. Okay, so, so and, and when we think about that, um, you know, we, we go first to the scriptures and to the, you know, what's, you know, when we think about mission, we, the first scripture that we often think about is Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. <clears throat> and so when we think about um, mission, it's often in those kinds of terms um, uh, in, in, the, in the scriptural verses that we, we go to. But when we think about mission, broadly speaking, I think we need to pull way, way back, you know, like pan out into, in terms of like the, the full work of what God is doing in the world. And I, and I want to say in, in the broadest possible sense that the very existence of the world, right, the very existence of creation is itself a testimony to God's own mission, right? That mission is something that God does right from the very beginning of, of, of all time, right? That creation itself is the beginning of God's mission. Why? Because it's this, uh, it's this going out, you know, Jesus says, go, and mission is, you know, the Latin word missio, I go out, send out, and the Greek word apostello, I send out, right? Um, <clears throat> it's this going out <clears throat> in order to baptize, in order to bring in. And creation itself, I would say, is a kind of the beginning of God's mission, because in creation, God breathes a spirit into the world, and he sends a spirit out into the world to create this uh, this mission field, right? And the mission field for him is that which is not God, the other, right? The ultimate other, which is the world. And his goal in doing that is simply to bring that other, that that thing that is not God, right? Into his divine life, to bring it into the share of his divine life. And that's what we call the Orthodox deification in the, in the Orthodox tradition. Deification means that we are participating in the divine nature. And so the mission <clears throat> of creation is precisely this God's going out through his spirit in order to bring the world, the other back into his divine life of love. And so this mission begins with creation and it's fulfilled in the incarnation because in the incarnation, what happens is that uh, the, God sends his only son in the flesh in order to unite the divine and created world in one body. And so the mission is completed on the cross when Jesus says, you know, it is finished. It is finished. What's finished? Well, I would say the mission is finished in, in that sense. The mission of God is completed because he is finally, he's gone out and he went out through his spirit and creation. He went out through uh, by, by creating. And then that is fulfilled by the sending of the son, going out in his son and bringing the, the, the world into the body of his son, bringing it with him. Into the in, into the into the ascension and the resurrection uh, resurrection and the ascension, <clears throat> and that and that work then of mission is completed, perfected, as it were, in Christ. <clears throat> but what happens then, of course, is that the mission continues in time and space and history, and it's it's been perfected, but it continues in time and space and history through the body of Christ, which is the church. So the church is the continuation of God's mission through its members in history. And so, you know, I, that's the big picture here. And so when we talk about what, what is an Orthodox mission, it's really um, the whole way of God's life, the whole way of God's being, the whole of God's purpose in uh, coming, going out of himself, going out of his own divine Trinitarian life into the world in order to bring the world into that Trinitarian divine life. And so if you want to talk about, you know, what is a definition then, um, you know, an orthodox mission 
is, you know, is, is a personal communal activity of those who've been baptized in the name of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that, that, that personal communal, communal activity is defined by continually going out to be united with the other, okay, the other, that those who are outside, those who are out, in order to draw them into the divine life of love. That's what an Orthodox uh, mission is. <clears throat> mm, mm. And within that, would you say that um, there's still like an underlying sense in which God is present and filling all things? And so even in this act of, so to speak, going out of himself, I mean, these are metaphorical bits of language that we're using, um, that it's not as if the world is a separate entity that exists on its own, but it's actually uh, dependent on God for existence, who is the one who necessarily exists. And so perhaps it's raising the world to a, a greater degree of participation in God. And that this is similar to what uh, an Orthodox mission is aiming to achieve, where the people outside of the mission have some degree of participation in God. So it's not like we are going as just the pure essence of God, although that's obviously impossible, but they already have some participation in divinity and we're trying to like raise it to the next level as it were, is that accurate? Yeah, I would say so because <clears throat> in, in, as I said, you know, when God created the world through his spirit, um, he imbued it, <clears throat> he imbued it with his spirit so that, that the world is as one, you know, one of the fathers put it rather daringly, a portion of God. Right, you know, it's a portion of God. It's not. It's a distinct entity that it has its own distinct existence, and God has given it that distinct existence, uh, uh, not necessarily apart from Himself, but other than Himself. And so, uh, it's already imbued with the Spirit. It's already engraced. It's already. Um, it's and but it simply is is existing in a state of latency of of unknown. Like it doesn't. It's not fully aware of its true identity. Right, and so. <clears throat> this is uh this is when we participate in mission the work of mission we're not necessarily going to bring something to the world that the world does not already have in some in some profound measure right we're we're, we're in a sense we're going out to remind the world of its true nature of its true existence to call it back to its true existence from its state of you might say forgetfulness, uh, you know, that it's forgotten its its true nature, its true existence. And so we're going out to 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 call it, to invoke it, uh, invoke its true nature to itself, right? So I think that's kind of what we're going to do. And and this actually reminds me very much of what happens in, in, in prison ministry itself, is that, you know, when we go to inmates, we're not going as the pure to the impure or to the good to the bad, you know, to, to the... To the uh, law-abiding law citizens to the criminals. We're going to Christ and we're going to remind these people who are in jail hmm. of who they are, right? That they are Christ, because that's what he said. He said, I was in prison, right? So we we go in order to remind them and say, remember who you are, you know, you've forgotten. And maybe in your forgetfulness, what this, this is where it's led you, right? But we're, we're going to, and, and similarly in a broader sense, we're going to remind the world and say, this is who you truly are. You've forgotten, and because of your forgetfulness, you've gone. You've taken a dark path, right? But we're 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 going to remind you, not necessarily with words, but simply with just by being baptized and being transformed ourselves. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's a nice nice way to put it. So, uh, can you talk about uh, the importance of mission 
in the life of the church, maybe specifically the Orthodox Church? Yeah, I mean, as I said, <clears throat> excuse me, that it's very tempting for us to think of mission as one thing the church does as, as a distinct activity or one stage of the church's life. And um, <clears throat> we have to remember, as I, as I laid out a little bit at the beginning here, that mission is the very mode of the church's life. It's the key, the, the church's life is always in the key of mission, right? Uh, and I think I borrowed that from somebody that I don't remember who it might be, Father Schmemann, but, but it is, it's the very, uh, the church is operating always in the key of mission. Why? Because it is, it is ultimately doing God's work, which is God to, to, to fulfill the very purpose for which he created the world, right? So that in, in, in and through the church, God is continually drawing the world back to himself, you know, working to realize the mystery of his incarnation in the world. Uh, to borrow from Saint Maximus there a little bit, but um, that's a missional act. It's the going out uh, to rem to to sort of realize and to and to draw forth uh, the the very presence of God in the world. And so, it it's important because it's just what God is. It's God's acti very activity. You know, when we when we when we treat mission as kind of one stage of the church's life, the temptation is well now now we're no longer a mission. We're a parish, therefore we don't have to worry about all that stuff anymore. We can just go ahead and maintain our building, make sure that our priest is taken care of, make sure that we've, you know, that we're enjoying a full liturgical cycle of services, and 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 just just keep on going, and and the mission is over, right? You know, because we've done everything that we needed to do, and <clears throat> and what what that leads us to do is 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 become complacent, you know, we self satisfied, you know, and. We, we go from going out into the world, actively going out to seek the other, to saying, "Oh, we're here. If you want to, if you want to come in, go ahead and come in, um, and 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 maybe we'll welcome you, or maybe we won't, depending upon you know who's who our community is. If you look, if you look like us, and you you know, uh, and and you're and we feel comfortable with you, yeah, we'll we'll welcome you in. If you don't look like us, well, maybe we'll welcome you. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll have a special." You know whatever right so <clears throat> there's a kind of a there's a real danger when we go out when we leave that key of mission right and i think that uh it, it we forget our we we become the forgetful ones we become the ones who forget our true identity as baptized christians which is to participate in god's work and so you know it all the, the community i think to speak concretely here a community always needs to ask itself how are we going out you know, how are we being sent out and going out? You know, how are we going out to the other? Where is the other? Where are they? Who are they? And how can we go out to them, right? To love them, to care for them, so that we can invite them to this divine life of love. And the moment we stop asking that question, or it just becomes one question that we maybe put on the side, uh, beside, you know, the first item on the agenda, you know, okay, how are we going to make our building payments? How are we going to do this, that, and the other thing? Right. If if we do that, then we, we risk losing our very identity and who we are. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, <clears throat> it reminds me of a quote from Tertullian that's something like uh, Christians aren't born, they're made. And yes. it seems like in Orthodox's, Orthodoxy's history, in some of the quote unquote mother countries, it's been maybe so effective at mission that it's really dominated the religious landscape. 
for such a long time that this um, missional sort of ethos is at times uh, compromised or we, we forget that aspect of it. And so it seems like it's uh, particularly important within Orthodoxy to really emphasize this missional uh, identity of the church. Is that a fair way to put it? For sure. And, and I mean, those contexts where it, the, the church, the life of the church, the Orthodox church is, is omnipresent in society. There's other ways to do mission. You know, there's ways to do mission because mission can sometimes be inward towards um, a particular set of attitudes and beliefs, you know, kind of the, <clears throat> the, um, <clears throat> Sort of, let's put it, the sec, a secular mindset, for instance, right, is is quite pervasive, uh, even in those countries where orthodoxy is is everywhere. You know, all the churches are orthodox, yet the people can be very, very secular. You know, there's or, or there's superstition, or there's ignorance, or but certainly secularism, and certainly the kind of the notion of, um, you know, there's Father doing church stuff, and here am I just coming to light a candle, whatever the case may be. But I'm not necessarily particularly important. I'm here to just, you know, pray quietly. And meanwhile, the religious people are doing the religious things. It's a sec it's a secular mindset. And there's a mission there too, right? There's a mission for people to ask, how are we challenging that in our society? So, I mean, that's out of the context in the context I operate in, of course, and you operate in, you know, here in North America. You know, of course, the church is a very, very, very tiny minority. So the Orthodox Church is a very tiny minority. So we don't necessarily uh, think mission in those terms, but it's still, a, even so, it's an important dimension that we can't forget about. You know, the mission to the mindset, the mission to the the the, the, the secularism that and the individualism that permeates uh, within us as well. And that's that's a big one for sure. <clears throat> right, right. And so if we have that definition of mission as uh, a greater participation in God, that pertains to those that are uh, outside the bounds of the church currently, that they would be included and find their identity in Christ. But it also includes those who are already within those bounds, that they would continue to have a deeper participation in God uh, through things like catechesis, and just a further and deeper engagement with the liturgy and and so forth yeah yeah absolutely yeah for sure yeah okay. i think i mean I, I think of the i think of the movement of mission as the world becoming church right, right. you know it's, you know the, the churches it, it's not even necessarily like uh, yes right now we have the, the bounds of the church and then we have the world and they are two distinct you know if you look at the world as, as a set of attitudes and beliefs i'm not talking about like uh, kind of the literal things i'm talking about like a set yeah. of attitudes and beliefs there's there's the world and there's the church and they're very they're radically opposed to one another <clears throat> but but in terms of like the cosmos in terms of uh, you know the human beings and the and, and animals and the, and the natural world you know the church is called to expand its boundaries to sort of encompass all of that right god goes out in order to uh not take us in a sense, out of some kind of other uh, reality, but in a sense, almost mm -hmm. to kind of like um, come and fill all things with himself. Christ is all in all, to, you know, as, as the Apostle Paul says, you know, that's and that's the goal here is to make Christ all in all, you know. So um, and so when when the Lord says, I've come to take you, you know, you, 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 come, you are to come out of the world in a sense, what he's what we're referring to there is the set of attitudes and beliefs that we would call the world not 
not the cosmos, not society, not um, you know the concerns of the natural world and so forth. These things are our primary concern. You know what we're called to to radically walk away from as disciples of Jesus Christ is a certain attitude, a certain a way of life, not the material world, not the world of people and of of things, right? So. <clears throat> Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And it's a nice uh, connection with scripture in the sense that it starts in a garden and then it ends in a city. And so this is like the um, human capacity to civilize the created order, which is connected with, I think, the city of God or the kingdom of God spreading throughout the entire world. Right, right, exactly. So when you're starting a mission um, or just uh, when someone is starting a mission, what are some of the challenges that uh, have to be overcome or what are the actual logistics that go um, into this kind of endeavor? Well, you know, I, I don't want to present myself here as some kind of expert on mission. I will, um, you know, I can just share from my experience and maybe it wasn't the experience of everybody, um, but uh, <clears throat> I've been involved so far in two missions. Uh, the first mission that I was involved in was uh, St. Aidan's in Cranbrook. <clears throat> and then the second mission that I was involved in had already uh, got going and had been going for a couple of years was uh, St. Nicholas <clears throat> in Kamloops. And uh, I mean, there are all kinds of um, practical considerations and challenges, you know, um, you, what, you know, the first thing that you really need is a, a group of people who are uh, committed to the work of, of mission, right? And in some sense, as I said before, again, to frame this, is that the whole church needs to be committed to the work of mission. But then there are specific instances of places where um, the, the, the the visible manifestation of the church is, is, is not evident, right, yet, as it were. And so in those places, you have a group of people. Um, it doesn't take very many um, uh, gathered together and are and are committed to the work of mission, right? So they're committed to um, to praying together, to gathering together in fellowship, to doing, uh, to 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 being to be presence in that place. So, at at uh, in Cranbrook, for instance, there were a group of people, and, and you know there was about maybe on a good day there was um sorry my uh, um. On, on a good day, there'd be 20, 25 people at liturgy, you know, but it was only, we're only talking about, you know, four or five families who came from sometimes great distances, you know, some came from from uh, Creston, you know, which is an hour and a half away, and some folks are in Cranbrook, and and, and they, they made the effort to gather together regularly to pray together, and so they would come, and, you know, finding a place was obviously um one of the top practical challenges you know like finding the right kind of location and um people meet in all kinds of places funeral homes uh other churches storefronts um whatever is available sometimes people's living rooms sometimes people uh, some someone's garage i know that saint herman's in edmonton now a very very big church um started in somebody's garage and uh and grew from there but I think fundamentally what you have is to have to have is people who understand that they um, th they're not uh, necessarily going to depend upon a priest to do their work for them. They are baptized Christians. They have a, a calling as a royal priesthood <clears throat> and they're going to 
uh, take seriously what the Lord says when he says, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And so to have that, that, that consistent, regular, faithful commitment to gather together, that is a number one challenge, right? That's the biggest thing that uh, you can't have people who, who are going to be waffling about things and be flaky about it. And they have to understand that they are the church and uh, they're going to gather no matter what. And one of the great examples that I've uh, is, is from the prairies, you know, the Ukrainian settlers back at the beginning of the 20th century, you know, they, they were farmers, they, they, they immigrated to Canada and they, they decided that they were going to come together as, as people, as people of God and build churches. And that's what they did. They built churches, but they didn't have any priests. Right. They just decided they're going to get together, build churches, and and then they ask for priests to come and to be sent. And that's a missional mindset, right? That's a that's going out to say <clears throat> we are the people of God. We're, we've been God has sent us out into this new land <clears throat> for maybe other purposes. Uh, we've immigrated, but we're going to bring we're going to carry out uh, this missional work uh, together, and we're going to be faithful and devoted and dedicated to it. And so that's. You know, having a committed group of people is, is first and foremost. Um, uh, space, place to be is another one. But as I say, you know, people can meet in any number of different places. And then there are other, um, uh, you know, te technical or logistical matters such as, you know, icons and investments and all these other sort of things that, you know, it, these tend to just kind of, they're given, they're donated, they're purchased, you know, they, they slowly come together. And, um, but but again, what we found when we when we went to St. Aidan's, uh, when we went to that community, was just having uh, uh, the commitment to meet together on a regular basis, to show up, you know, to, to make it the priority that you're going to be coming because without you, this mission doesn't happen, right? And and I think that's something we can take even when there's a church full of like 150 people, you know, there's that one person who says, what 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 does my presence matter, right? I could not show up and nobody would even notice that I wasn't here, right? And that may be technically true, maybe. I mean, but at the same time, on a poor spiritual level, that mission doesn't happen in this, quite in the same way when you're not there. You know, that work doesn't happen in quite the same way. And, you know, maybe the human people may not notice perhaps that you weren't there, but certainly the other people involved, that is the saints and the angels would certainly notice that you were not there. <clears throat> and so so i think that carrying that missional mindset forward into the parish when we become a parish or bigger church i think that's very important right and would you say that one of the primary challenges with a mission station or a mission is to reach a critical mass of people uh yeah i mean i mean that's if our goal ultimately is to have um if, if we have a parish in mind as our ultimate goal. Um, I'm not sure that it's necessarily um, <clears throat> a big priority. I mean, I think that we we do, we, we tend to think in terms of like, we're going to start this mission, so one day it won't be a mission anymore, <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I don't think that that's, um, it's, I don't think that's a helpful way to go and think about and thinking about mission. I think we just need to say, here we are together. We're gathered together as a people of God. We're 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 doing the work of mission in this place, 
uh, we're, we're continuing God's mission in this particular place and context and situation. And, um, you know, if God blesses it to grow, he blesses it to grow, but we will remain faithful and we'll continue to do this work. Um, I mean, I mean, there are practicalities about having a priest come, you know, like say a priest, you know, you want a priest to come to serve a liturgy. Well, you know, I mean, can you scrounge together a couple hundred bucks to, and, and, you know, priests that can come and do a service and you can give them an honorary mass afterwards and have them do it like, you know, once a month, once every three months, whatever the case may be. And then the rest of the time you're faithfully serving reader services, you know, <clears throat> anybody can serve reader services. In fact, I was just, uh, uh, I was at the Archdiocesan Assembly for the uh, Archdiocese of Canada, and we had uh, Bishop Alexei of Alaska, and he said that, you know, that there are communities in Alaska that for the past, you know, almost 100 years have been not, doing nothing but reader services. That's all they've done because they've never had a priest come, you know, or very, very rarely, you know, they've had a priest come. So, but they, but they consider themselves to be Orthodox Christians and their task is to worship and pray together. And uh, so they so they gather together and they do the reader services. And so I think that, you know, People wait for, the vision is for, oh, you know, one day we're going to have the full-time priest and then we won't have to worry too much anymore. We won't have to, if, if, if I feel like skipping church that day or going to another church, it, it'll be okay, you know. Well, that's the wrong, that's the wrong mentality in my mind, you know. So <clears throat> I don't think, <clears throat> to be honest, I don't think that growth of a mission should be the priority. I think that... Uh, I think it's okay for something to be small, to stay small. If it grows, glory to God. If it stays small, that's that's what it is. And sometimes maybe um, it might come to a place where we think, well, you know, maybe the this is not this is not necessarily going away. It's shrinking. Perhaps it, it dies out. And we did the work of mission still. You know, even even in the brief time that we had it, it was <clears throat> it, it it was temporary. We did what we needed to do. Now we, we move on to something else. So I think it's okay to think in those terms, you know, because uh, we, we don't know what God is doing in any particular circumstance either. You know, we don't know. All, all we do is we show up and say, here I am. I want to be a participant in your mission, the Lord. And so send me, right? Send me. Mm-hmm. Can we say that, um, that, our response is to be open to God that we can't control the outcome in terms of how many people may or may not attend a a, a mission. Um, But there is a something good about being fruitful and multiplying in the sense that God gives us this call, both as families, but also it seems like as the family of God, there is this sense about um, multiplication that is inherent to uh, the kingdom and actually the way of virtue, which it integrates and it, it brings the many into the one who is God mm-hmm. versus yeah. the way of vice, which is like the the opposite of that, which goes from the one to actually the many. And it's like a dividing and a scattering as it were. So um, would you say that like our main objective shouldn't be numbers? And that has been, I think, overemphasized perhaps in other traditions of Christianity where it becomes all about the numbers and then it becomes almost more of like a, a business and it's modeled more on that. Yeah. Uh, but there is... <laughs> an appropriate place for numbers is just not the ultimate good. It's like a subservient good to uh, worshiping God and being faithful to him. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, you know, one of the things that prison ministry has taught me is that, <clears throat> you know, small is not bad. 
you know, small. And even if something stays small, that's that's fine. I mean, I was reading recently about Mother Maria Skoptsova and her, um, she had a mission in Paris in the 30s, you know, to the, the homeless and the, to the, her focus was specifically upon Russian um, <clears throat> uh, uh, refugees, right, who were living in Paris in poverty, many of them very desperate situations. And she, she had a very limited mission <clears throat> in that regard. <clears throat> and one of the things she said is like that we love the small, we embrace the small, you know, the small is, she wants that. She didn't, she didn't necessarily want it to grow, grow big <clears throat> because <clears throat> if it, when it grew big, it became impersonal, right? And for her, it was always about the person in front of her. And so, you know, yes, things can grow, but when they cease to be personal, then, then the mission stagnates, I think, in many respects, right? So, you know, in, in the prison ministry context, somebody said, you know, to me, well, okay, you, you, you go there, there's two Orthodox guys <coughs> who show up for a service, maybe three or four others who are just there for interest sake. And, you know, isn't that maybe a waste of time, right? Because it's just two people, you know, like, why are you going and spending your Sunday for two people, you know? Well, from their perspective, you know, this is everything, you know, <clears throat> their, their whole life is enriched by this, by this activity. Like it's, 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 it's the most important thing that happens to them in a week, you know, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying that for myself. I've had a guy said that, said, this gives me a reason to get up in the morning. This is the most important thing that happens for me. Right. So, you know, so <clears throat> it, yes, it's externally, it's just two people, but their whole life is, is enriched and expanded by this so that, you know, so that I, I so I think that we need to think of it in, in those kinds of terms, like, that if something grows like in terms of numbers um that's 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 beautiful that's a beautiful thing and 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 certainly you want to to build to uh plant and establish missionary activity in a, in a thoughtful way that's not kind of um uh overlapping with with others and and you want to try to make sure it's like it's like in any garden you know you want to make sure that your plants are properly spaced out that they're not they're not having to compete for the same moisture and they're everything is properly <clears throat> organized and, and, and planted in such a way that there's kind of good harmony between everything. <clears throat> and, um, and, and so you wanted to, you want to be careful in that regard. Um, and, but I mean, ultimately God gives the growth, you know, it, it's God who gives the growth. And so we cannot even begin to think, I, I, I don't want to go into mission thinking to myself one day, this is going to be a church packed with 150, 300 people, whatever the case may be, you know, because I'd say the moment that it becomes impersonal, the moment that it becomes the people don't know each other personally, the mission is getting too big as far as I'm concerned, you know, so, <clears throat> you know, and, and, and that's, that's small. I mean, like, it's like if there's 50 people on a Sunday, they might pretty much know each other for the most part, you know, when you start to get even to 100 people on a Sunday, 150 people, then it starts to feel big, right? And I mean, by Protestant standards, <laughs> that's that's nothing, you know. But 
but but honestly i really i i revel and i and i take joy in the small and i think that the, i think we need to be smaller in our thinking not bigger mm-hmm. so uh let's talk now about uh saint silas mission that you're going to be starting and some of the specifics around that i mean maybe we could start with the name of the mission uh why saint silas so as I say, it came out of our prison ministry, which is St. Silas Orthodox Prison Ministry. St. <clears throat> Silas, excuse me, the Apostle Silas uh, is a patron of prison prisoners. And it goes back to the account in the book of Acts with Silas and Silvanus and uh, <coughs> the Apostle Paul. And that uh, that account in which uh, they're, they're singing in jail and the chains fall off them the doors swing wide but they don't they don't leave the prison and the jailer you know uh thinks that the prisoners has have escaped and he draws his sword to kill himself because he realizes that he's going to be in very big trouble for letting his prisoners escape and they and they crowd no no don't kill yourself because we're, we're all still here and um so <clears throat> it's this uh this idea of um uh, you know that they they didn't escape the prison. They didn't escape those, circ- those dark circ- circumstances. They were there in order to, to bring salvation to the people in the jail, including the jailer himself. And so uh, St. Silas is, is the apostle that we have been uh, dedicated, uh, dedicating our work to all, all these years, these past eight years. And um, so the mission, we, we debated looking you know, at, at some other names, like maybe St. Maria Skopsova, uh, perhaps, or um, maybe, or St. Silvanus, you know, perhaps to go with St. Silas. But in the end, um, we want to sort of emphasize that this mission has really grown out of our efforts uh, to find a, uh, a sanctuary, a place for uh, for those who are coming out of jail and to, and to bring them in contact with the community. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's the reason for St. Silas. Okay, okay. And then, um... Maybe in terms of your objectives that you're hoping to accomplish in the next little while, or just more specific details of the prison ministry, maybe we could go into that. So um, there are a number of different, uh, I'd say there's basically uh, three dimensions to the mission. First of all, and probably most importantly of all, is the dimension of worship. So we want to um, uh, have a regular a life of worship in which uh, people from the community can participate, but also an opportunity for those who are either being released on parole or who have been released on parole or who are doing what are called ETAs, which stands for Escorted Temporary Absences. And what those are is um, <clears throat> when a, uh, an inmate reaches a certain point in their sentence, the um, uh, the CSC, the Correctional Service Canada, decides that it's time for them to start maybe uh, going out into the community for short uh, visits. And they can do that for a number of different purposes, one of which is family, um, but another which is something like personal enrichment, whether it's a, <clears throat> an AA group or uh, whatever the case may be, or church service. And so so they can be approved. They have to undergo, you know, they have to have come to a certain point where they are fully supported to do this, their behavior, <clears throat> reflects it they've they've done all their programs their um <clears throat> their cognizant of all their risk factors they're managing all of their risk factors um and they've reached a good place usually they've reached a minimum level of security 
so they don't have there's no more fences or boundaries they're simply able to uh, um, and so that they're moving towards reintegration and so they then are approved to go on these ETAs <clears throat> and what these usually involve is they are escorted um, first by a staff member to a church service for instance uh, where they will be there and the staff member will be present with them throughout the entire time and they basically participate with the rest of the community but the, the staff member is present but then later on after that um, they can have volunteers who can come to pick them up <clears throat> bring them to the church service and um, <clears throat> and they can uh, and they can participate that way um, and then eventually they graduate to what's called UTAs which are unescorted temporary absences that's when they can just simply come of their own accord and then go back when they're done um, so there's those kinds of things and then there's uh, parole uh, where they are um, living in the community <clears throat> They have to report, report to their parole officer on a regular basis. They have certain conditions of their parole. And that's a, a point that I'll take up in just a second here, but they have certain conditions that they have to observe. And, um, but they can, with their parole officer's support, can permission can go to a local church and, and, and be a part of the community there. So, <clears throat> so this mission will be that place where they can, where they can attempt. And they'll be able to attend regardless of what they've done, as long as they qualify and are able to do it and are, have permission to do it and support to do it, they will be able to come. Um, on, the other, on the other side of that bridge, as it were, there's the, the local community itself and that's, you know, the church will be available for members of the community to come and join us for worship as well and to be a part of that together as, a, as the church. Um, one of the things that I wanted to be sort of really clear about is that I, I, we, we do want to make a distinction in, in at St. Silas Mission between what I would call friends and members. And friends are people who are welcome to come regardless of anything, <laughs> regardless of their beliefs, regardless of their status in life, their, their moral practices, whatever the case may be. We have no, <clears throat> we have no conditions. We have no, we, we accept them unconditionally. They're welcome to come. And join us as friends. We we we're happy to receive them. We extend hospitality to them. We don't judge them. We respect them. <clears throat> we don't care what they're wearing. We don't care about any of those sorts of things, right? <clears throat> so they're welcome. They're friends. Then we of course we have members, and membership is a different step. It's a step in which you make a specific commitment to become part of the Orthodox Church, and that involves <clears throat> a number of different things, as you know, it involves certain restrictions on the kinds of you know behaviors that we can engage in the certain ways of life and so forth that we have to make a certain level of commitment <clears throat> so there's that but we do want to make that distinction and we you know we want to say that saint silas would be open to all in friendship right and uh <clears throat> and to orthodox christians as members right so <clears throat> so <clears throat> that's 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 the first dimension the second dimension uh, is that we also want to offer sanctuary in terms of um, uh, low-cost housing residents. <clears throat> we want to, um, uh, for people, especially people who are on parole or people who are um, looking for uh, low-cost housing, we want to be able to offer them a small a place to stay. <clears throat> and so however that may look like, maybe it looks like... Um, I, I like to think it would look like the tiny house community that Vancouver is now experimenting with. Uh, they have 10 tiny houses that they've set up, built, and established, 
and um, that would be uh, hopefully close to, if not on the same property as the church, and people can come and stay there. <clears throat> uh, so that's second dimension to it. And then, um, again, anybody who's staying in those houses, they're not required or obligated to come to the church. They don't have to be Orthodox Christians. Um, <clears throat> they're, they're simply welcome to be there as friends. And then, um, <clears throat> excuse me one second. Getting over this cult. The third dimension is uh, some sort of common activity that we do, which is in the case of mission itself, um, <clears throat> one of the thoughts that I had uh, explored was a communal garden. And uh, there's a communal garden that are actually a big communal garden that already exists in Mission. It's called Emma's Acres. And it brings together uh, offenders from prisons on ETAs. It brings together uh, families of offenders, victims, and victims' families. <clears throat> and it uh, brings them together to grow food. And uh, they, excuse persistent. <clears throat> Um, so they grow food and they provide produce for the local community. And so that's a third dimension that we want to, uh, um, <clears throat> we want to incorporate into this whole, um, endeavor. So that's, it's, it's, it's kind of a big vision. Uh, and as we are in the, in the vision stage right now, we still, uh, have to keep our eyes open for a place that we can meet. Uh, we'll start with the worship portion and then we'll look for um <clears throat> funding partnerships whatever the case may be in order to uh to to build the tiny houses or whatever it is that we're going to build for residences and then we'll work with ms acres for the communal garden aspect of things as well so that's kind of a broad picture of what we're doing okay um so would you be looking if someone's listening for instance and they're looking to donate to something within the church it sounds like this could be an endeavor that fits the bill also if someone is familiar with real estate either they're a realtor or they just happen to know people that own land um are, are you guys looking or a rental i guess it could be as well you don't necessarily need to build everything from scratch but um would those be uh, contacts that you're also wanting to make a connection with Absolutely. We, we're looking for people who have knowledge, um, people who are able to sort of, who are willing to buy into this vision, you know, in terms of <clears throat> finances, certainly, where uh, I think we're going to be looking at, you know, obviously a significant uh, investment to get something established. But <clears throat> in terms of just the first part of it, which is the worship, we can start pretty small in that regard in terms of like our you know the core thing that we're doing but uh, ultimately the goal here is to uh, is to to uh, <clears throat> to integrate into the mission the, the life of that of that community of mission bc and um i just spoke for instance today with uh, uh sherry edmund flat who is uh, the wife of um, glenn flat and if you don't know who he is he is the founder of emma's acres and he himself was a an inmate serving a life sentence <clears throat> who was released on parole and he started Emma's Acres uh, many years ago, uh, over 25 years ago now. And uh, it's it's become a fixture in the, in the mission community. And he was a remarkable man. So if you would look up Glenn Flett, um, he was a remarkable man. I met him myself and um, 
and she, his wife, uh, is continues his good work, and uh, we want to try to work together with the whole community. We're we're not going to um, try to set something up, you know, apart from the rest of the community. Sherry said to me today. She said um, <clears throat> the best advice she could give was do a lot of front end work. You know, go talk to the mayor, go talk to the city, see what their needs are. A lot of cities are looking for places for homeless people to stay. And we're open to, you know, to homeless families as well. You know, we're not necessarily going to restrict our residents to just inmates. I mean, if, you know, they're the priority in some ways, but um, <clears throat> we, we're we wanting to sort of work with the community to, to better the whole, you know, and not just simply create an orthodox, we don't want to create an orthodox uh, uh, gated community. You know, we're not, uh, this is not about that at all. This is about making sure that we are going out into that community. So. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Right. Um, so I think I'll turn to summarizing the ground we've covered at this point. And then if there's a, a final thought or anything else really about the mission that you'd like to uh, conclude with, we can, uh, go to that afterwards or any notes on the summarization. But uh, today I've been talking with Father Richard and we've been speaking about Orthodox Mission, largely because he is actually starting a mission with others in uh, Mission BC. But in regards to the identity of the church, it is uh, inherent to it that it is missional, it is reaching out. And this is something that is found in God himself who reaches out to creation, so to speak, and raises it up to a higher degree of participation in him. Missions are important because it's easy or tempting as a church grows to just become somewhat complacent and not to continue that emphasis of reaching out for the betterment of the community and also uh, raising uh, people's participation to the next level that are already Christian by uh, catechizing them and having them participate in the liturgy and having them um, engage with the, the work of God. And the, the challenges that face a mission, they're what you may expect in terms of getting uh, enough people around you. It's not all about the numbers, obviously. That's really something that's more in uh, God's hands at the end of the day. But it is important that there is at least a core group that is committed that's going to show up regardless of how they're feeling or what else may be happening on their calendar. And then for a place to be found and resources to be allocated so that it is somewhat sustainable. And if you are listening to this and if you're interested in participating, there will be a link in the video description that you can uh, follow to help out. And I think of all the videos that we've posted so far in this channel, this is probably the best one to share because a mission, it's obviously different than a business, but there is overlap in the sense that in the initial stage, uh, marketing and advertising is very important because if you don't know about something, you can't even participate in it. So if you're not able to participate yourself, uh, perhaps consider sharing this and see if there's someone else in your network that may be uh, interested in lending support. And this could be someone that is local that may be able to participate in person. But even if you're living in the States or in another country and you're listening to this, definitely consider sharing it because uh, St. Silas Mission can use funding and can use connections, people that uh, know how this process works that may be able to lend a hand in one form or another. So um, is there anything else that you'd like to add and conclude with um, Father Richard? I think you've summarized it very well, Max. I really appreciate that. And um, I just want to extend a general invitation, <clears throat> particularly to the people who are living in mission, <clears throat> to, uh, uh, to, to 
join us and participate in this. Um, we're going to be we're starting small, maybe once a month, a service type of thing. So if you are, I'd also say that if you're already part of a church, uh, please talk to your past, your, your parish priest and ask for a blessing uh, to participate if you can. Um, and uh, even if it's just once a month, you know, uh, but do talk to your parish priest, make sure that um, <clears throat> he's supportive. And uh, I, I want to, but I do want to invite those people who are living in Mission currently and even in uh, Maple Ridge uh, to, 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 to contact us to reach out to express your interest and uh, we'll we'll have lots of updates in the near future um, and as things start to progress as we locate a place we've got a number of different um, lines in the water so to speak about finding a place but once that's done uh, we'll we'll make our first start so <clears throat> so I just want to invite you to and even those outside of mission you're welcome to come and uh, and and uh, and see what we're about as well so thank you well, thank you very much, Father Richard. It's a pleasure chatting with you again. Thank you, Max. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out that episode of the Orthodox Christian Podcast. If you have a question about Orthodox Christianity, there is a link in the video description that you can check out. Also, if you want to help out with the mission that Father Richard is starting, I've included some links that you can check out as well. And in the meantime, I hope that you have a peaceful week. And one last thing please do share this video with one friend or family member. Uh, it is very practical in this case that it's going towards helping a mission. So I very much appreciate that. Thanks guys. Bye.